Womp, womp, womp. Hello again, Bears fans, and unfortunately, we are doing the postmortem on our week four matchup for the Chicago Bears hosting the Indianapolis Colts and losing 19 to 11. And this is our We Are Regal Radio three and out series where we give you three takeaways from every Bears game. And this one uh, was an ugly one, uh, a real test for the Chicago Bears. And with all this hope coming into this matchup with Nick Foles leading that dramatic comeback in Atlanta the week prior. Uh, it felt like this was a real opportunity for the Bears to make a statement uh, league-wide. Obviously, the Colts are not uh, in the NFC, so in terms of playoff seeding and playoff picture down the road, this is one of the better losses that the Bears could have. You want to beat your division you want to beat your conference and if you're going to lose any games it's much better to lose in the AFC or to AFC teams I should say I guess if you want any type of silver lining there it is for you that you lost against an AFC team versus an NFC team let's get started with our three takeaways because uh this is why we don't do a good bad and ugly every week because there's not a lot of good and maybe not even a lot of bad it seemed like just a whole lot of plain old ugly and our our first one our first gold takeaway uh i'm gonna start with the coaching for the chicago bears because it was dreadful for the most parts uh, i don't really know if there's any area of the team you look at and say boy the coaching really helped out there uh, one thing that you always look at with coaching is penalties eight penalties for 103 yards for the bears you saw a lot of times inopportune penalties, dumb penalties like Cordero Patterson taking off his helmet, which has happened before, and I believe it even happened in New England before he came to the Bears. Uh, just a mental breakdown there. You saw on the partial block punt, that felt like coaching because a lot of times teams play special teams safe and to a T unless they see something on video that they can exploit. Very rarely do teams feel like, oh, okay, this is a good special teams team. Uh, let's not run a heavy rush or let's not go for a fake field goal, punt, whatever. Because we're probably going to look back at that and say, man, that bit us on the butt and we should have known what we were getting into seeing how we broke them down in our game plan. But that obviously uh, did not happen on that play. And then another detriment to coaching, we got to talk about Matt Nagy and his lack of running again, because 16 rushes on the day for the Bears for 28 yards. Um, sure, the Bears were down for a lot of that game, so you were going to have to start throwing it. But look at the look at the pass attempts compared to rush attempts. 16 rushes, like I said, to 42 passes. From Nick Foles. Uh, remember, going into the fourth quarter, or at least midway through the third, you're talking about a two-touchdown game. And I know that at the time, that seemed pretty insurmountable, but a two-touchdown game is no time to just simply abandon the run when you know, Indy comes out of the, the first half, they get a field goal, and they're up now 16-3. to That's nothing insane that you have to just suddenly abandon the run. And especially with how little the Bears were getting through the air, uh, 249 yards total. And remember, they throwing it a lot because uh, Indy, 29 pass attempts, 190 yards. 
you give them that extra 13 attempts, they probably have more yardage than the Bears do on 42. So not efficient whatsoever in their passing game. Their running game was non-existent. And it just it looked like the Bears were completely unprepared on offense. I mean, the receivers didn't look good. There was some plays, and obviously Nick Foles was pretty inaccurate for the most part, really all game long. So there was definitely times where the receivers were put into difficult positions. But when you look at that interception that Nick Foles threw, and it goes right through the hands of Anthony Miller again, is his head in the game? And it kind of stems back to coaching. Should he even be out there? Should another player be given an opportunity when now you've seen for multiple weeks, you know, Anthony Miller making big time drops. It's been what two weeks of bad play from him when you count this game against the Colts and the game against the Giants and two good or at least okay games. When you talk about the Falcons and the Lions, and obviously he was very good against the Lions, but you know, just too inconsistent. And he was supposed to be your number two receiver, and now it looks like Darnell Mooney has kind of become that number two because, first of all, he's not dropping passes. But the the other thing with Darnell is you're really not seeing that speed element too much. He did have a nice little deep downfield catch that Nick Foles put a good ball on him, and he made a play in the air. And We'll get to Foles and the offense later on, but again, you're seeing why Mitch Trubisky is on the bench because that's a throw that he probably doesn't even make. So Darnell Mooney, uh, you know, giving him some props on that, but you're not seeing a lot of that breakaway speed or that speed being an immediate factor in a lot of these games. The tight ends, you know, Jimmy Graham had a couple nice grabs. Uh, Demetrius Harris was used a little bit, but Cole Komet, Obviously, still MIA, and you know, for fans that are going to be pounding for more Cole Komet, you just this is the harsh reality. It is so hard to make the transition from college tight end to professional tight end. It's it's as big of a jump as college quarterback to professional quarterback. So it's going to take him some time, if ever, because there's a high bus rate with tight ends too. That's that's the other scary part. A lot of teams have stopped focusing on drafting tight ends early in the draft and talking like the first three, four rounds because unless it's a bona fide or just a, a top, top, top tier type class where you've got a lot of top prospects, those guys, it's hard. It's hard to make that transition. With Jimmy Graham just kind of being a, a guy, not necessarily a big time playmaker, Demetrius Harris, another solid piece, but not a playmaker. You're starting to see the playmakers go down. And, you know, I'm sure many people have disqualified the Tariq Cohen injury, saying it's not that big of a deal. Uh, But you're seeing another effect of losing a guy that is a playmaker. I mean, we've seen Tariq Cohen make some big-time plays with his speed and quickness that we haven't seen from Mooney, that we haven't seen from Anthony Miller, that we haven't seen from even... Taylor Gabriel, when he was here, behind Allen Robinson, if you had to pick a playmaker from this Bears offense, you'd probably go with Tariq Cohen. And without Tariq, you lose another guy that could be a weapon. And even though running backs are not the hardest thing to replace in the league, because a lot of times you can find them on the streets, a la Raheem Morstead, for example, last season. So beyond those issues, 
the Bears still, you feel like, have a collection of talent offensively that they're better than three points through three quarters, even though this is a really good Colts defense. Uh, right now, they're the best defense in the league statistically. I mean, three points through three quarters, and you only get up to 11 in absolute garbage time. I mean, for a team that's trying to become an offensive football team, or at least uh, a football team with a strong offensive identity, epic fail when it comes to this matchup, this test against the Colts. And uh, looking ahead, you got a game coming up very quickly in uh, Tampa Bay on Thursday. The Bears, they got to come up with some answers offensively because that that Bucks defense, they might give up some points, but they are extremely fast, athletic, and they are out there making plays. So if you're expecting a big drop-off in defensive play in this next opponent, the Bears might be in for another rude awakening. Coaching, huge issue. Just didn't seem like the Bears were at all ready to play this game except for potentially the defense because they did kind of rise up in certain parts of that game but just not enough just not enough where you feel really good about it i mean if the bears were a rebuilding team trying to get back to 500 you might feel a little bit better but when you're a team that's trying to become a playoff team and recapture the glory you had a couple years ago in 2018 just very lackluster when it comes to that part of the game continuing the theme of of ugliness uh, let's go over to said defense, you know, talking about them and gave them a little bit of praise a few moments ago about how they did some things really well. But with that said, a lot of things that leave you wanting when, as a Bears fan, when you watch specifically this defense, first of all, that run defense, big time trouble. Big time trouble. I mean, 38 carries for 103 yards isn't the worst. You're talking uh, not a huge average when it comes to running the football, but at the same time, too, Jonathan Taylor, rookie, comes in 17 attempts, gets 68 yards. Naheem Hines, nine rushing attempts for 24 yards. Jordan Wilkins comes in, nine attempts for 15 yards. Phillip Rivers had three rushing attempts himself for a minus four yards based on the stat sheet. So it could have been even that much worse. Jonathan Taylor, I think, can become a really good running back. And Naheem Hines showed some really solid play. But the Colts are without their their stud running back and Marlon Mack. And could you imagine what this game would have looked like with Marlon Mack running it most of the time and Jonathan Taylor coming in? I mean, it would have been it would have been scary. And so far, every game this year, the Bears' defense has basically said, you can run the football against us. And it's a little difficult for me to just think, oh, man, if they had Eddie Goldman, this problem would be solved. And without a doubt, if they had Eddie Goldman, we wouldn't be talking about this run defense, I think, quite as much. It would be probably an issue, but it would certainly be improved. That's how important of a player he is. But it... Are you telling me if Khalil Mack went down that the Bears would have no pass rush? And right now he's in there and they have no pass rush. But that idea that you're reliant on one player for all the success that you have on defense is a scary notion because you don't want, if anything, you want that when it comes to your quarterback. But you don't want a defense where it's all all on one player. Because if you don't have that player and you have nothing after that, 
that's not doing anything for your team. And you can lose a player or a player can have a bad game and suddenly you fall apart with all that you're doing structurally. You know, it, this has to be reworked, redone by Chuck Pagano and the rest of the guys. You know, if you are in the secondary, you got to come up with more of passion, aggression to come in and stop the run and help out that front line. If you are those inside linebackers, I thought that they were flowing and moving to the football a little bit better. But still, you know, once they are engaged in a block, it seems like neither Roquan Smith or Danny Trevathan can get off it. And then when you talk about the defensive line, they will do some really nice things. And then next play, you see either Mario Edwards or somebody else just diving into the wrong gap and leaving a crater. I mean, basically every week there's been a run highlighted by the announcer saying, look at this hole. You and I could run through that. And that's usually the cliche uh, response from an announcer when there is a massive hole that a running back can run through. And they're right. I mean, anybody can run through some of these holes that the Bears defense is allowing through these first four games. And when you talk about a team like Tampa coming up, they're not going to be shy about running the football, especially Tom Brady knowing, hey, if we can kind of go to that in my back pocket at all times, that even if the look isn't great when I come to the line, but knowing that they're not great at executing a stop of the run, that opens things up for quarterbacks. And certainly for Phillip Rivers, Imagine what he would have been like in that game without a running game because he made some really nice throws for sure, but he made plenty of overthrows. He put the ball in harm's way a couple times. The Bears just couldn't take advantage of it. Imagine just a, a Colts offense that is in pure need of Phillip Rivers throwing it. I don't think that's going to work out too well for the Colts, and I think the Bears probably would have gotten a couple takeaways at that point. But that has not been a workable solution for the Bears because they can't shut anybody's run game down. If that's the case, if the Bears, you know, can't figure out this run game defense, it's going to be a long year, especially when you throw in the fact too. And this Colts team has probably the best offensive line in football. So you got to give them their props here. But this pass rush got one sack and it's been multiple weeks now where you see just little pockets of pressure if anything uh, a lot of times quarterbacks are being clean against these guys and certainly they're trying to get the ball out of their hands and there was some mistakes made by the Bears secondary but the Bears secondary isn't even playing too too bad I mean they're playing solidly it, it just there's no real bad play there's just no exceptional play and you just wonder when are we going to see the domination from Akeem Hicks or Khalil Mack where Teams just have no answer for the combination of the two because right now they've played in every game and it's just it hasn't looked at all like it did in 2018 where those two on this field together were completely unblockable for offenses and they were subject to a lot of issues uh, that the Bears defense could present. Maybe this Bears defense can still turn things around. I'm not quite sure. Uh, at this point, it's starting to become apparent that you know, they're going to be a good defense. They're going to be tough on really any opponent. But there's points to be had. There's yards to be gained against this Bears defense. You're not looking at a group that's going to absolutely shut you down and lock you out because of their relentless pass rush and their brick wall or iron curtain wall when it comes to run defense. It just the Bears defense has some vulnerability. Teams can take advantage of it. And 
it's going to be up to this entire Bears team, not the defense, but the offense and special teams have to step up and be really nice uh, complementary units to the defense. Because if, if Ryan Pace and Matt Nagy are expecting this defense to carry them into the playoffs, it just doesn't look like that's going to happen. And if, God forbid, there's any major injuries on this defense, the Bears could be in a lot of trouble uh, looking at their overall team and the way that they're playing right now. So that takes us to our uh, last takeaway, which uh, we will focus on the offense. And unfortunately, just another week, another lack of offensive production. Uh, I mean, what has it been? It's been two fourth quarters out of the year when you talk about Atlanta and Detroit. Those fourth quarters, the Bears' offense looks great. I mean, it looks fantastic. They're able to do a lot of things and able to move the football. Uh, But then look at a game like the Giants where the offense was completely barren for really most of that game except for the first quarter or first half. No offense whatsoever to speak of in this Colts game. And the scary thing is when you move ahead, I mean – these first four games, you were probably expecting best case scenario three and one. Uh, I don't think many people were thinking four and zero when you look at the schedule when it came out. But you thought, man, Lions, Giants, right off the bat, that's two. If you can split between the Colts and the Falcons, you're in great a great spot. But it does not feel that way, and a huge part of that is what we talked about before in the defense not being elite. But the other part is just this offense is still broken. And any Chicago Cubs fans out there, I mean, they they look at this Bears team, which, you know, the Cubs get eliminated on Friday and you wait a couple days and you see this Bears team and you think, man, am I watching the same thing? Just a broken offense, an offense that can't score. And it doesn't matter, I guess, who the quarterback is at this point, not to say – Nick is some world beater because he looked a lot like Mitch on Sunday for sure. Now, before we go any further on offense, I'm I'm totally 100% behind Nick Foles being the quarterback. I get maybe some people coming out of the woods trying to defend Mitch, but again, Mitch can't push the ball downfield and against the number one defense in the league to think that Mitch was going to change that game. I mean, the only way Mitch could have came in into that game or if, let's say, he was the starter to begin the game, the only way the Bears win that is if he is dominating with his legs. And when is the last time we saw Mitch Trubisky dominate with his legs? Yeah, he had a great run against Atlanta, but it's been 2018 since we saw him dominate a game with his running ability. So it's impossible for me to even think that Mitch would be a better option. Now, Nick, that being said, has to play much, much better. I mean, he was completely inaccurate. He did hit some throws downfield, but he missed a lot of throws downfield, per usual that we see from the Bears. Uh, Who knows what the hell happened between him and Matt Nagy. I mean, Matt Nagy really, I guess, felt that it was... uh, it was time for him to start unleashing the air raid offense because just abandoning the run didn't help Nick Foles either. His receivers didn't help him. We talked about Anthony Miller making that horrible drop, you know, a tough catch for sure. But that's, that's what a second round receiver is supposed to do. You, you don't trade up into the second round to get a receiver that is 
unable to make difficult catches. And one of the things that was touted about him being drafted was his hands. A lot of people felt he had great hands. We're just seeing drop after drop after drop with Anthony Miller. He drops a huge uh, third down or whatever down it was that led to that interception. I mean, if Anthony Miller makes that play and the Bears go in and score a touchdown, believe it or not, it's a game. And the Bears still have a slight chance to win that game. And, you know, you don't want to keep living week to week. But if you could claw and scratch your way out of this one, that would actually be significant in a positive way looking at this opponent who the Indianapolis Colts look like a playoff team. Like they look like a team that you don't want to play at all this year if you're in the AFC or NFC. And to come back and be able to beat that team would have been huge. But of course, just too many failed opportunities offensively and a lot of questionable decisions just the offensive line, you look at how badly they were beaten by that Colts front. Charles Leno just looks, I, I mean, I just don't get it. I honestly don't get Pace's infatuation with Charles Leno. You know, certain teams go with the philosophy, you don't need great tackles, and the Bears fall under that. And even Andy Reid kind of falls under that a little bit. But you can't have nothing. You can't have a negative at tackle. I mean, Charles Leno just absolutely gets beat by Justin Houston, and Justin Houston is an older NFL player. He looked like Justin Houston of Kansas City just whooping him. Uh, This great push that this interior was getting through the first three weeks in Cody Whitehair, James Daniels, and Jermaine Effetti, completely non-existent, couldn't get a push whatsoever. And then you look at that running back position, and you just wonder, what's going on there, too? I mean, Cordero Patterson... He can do some nice things as a running back, but man, the less I can see of that and the more I can see him being a scat type back, basically a la Tariq Cohen, where a lot more in the past game and used maybe in more of a wide open uh, offense. But Dave Montgomery, give him a lot of credit. He He's... He's playing, he's fighting, but even him, uh, I just don't know how good David Montgomery can be. He just doesn't seem like a bell cow type back, but at the same time too, he's just not getting fed either. Uh, I don't know if Ryan Pace is looking at a running back out there. It, It would be great to see them pick up a guy with some real home run speed. And again, you see Ryan all come in, be that third back and just, he's not being used whatsoever. And Look at the Colts. They are down Marlon Mack, but they still get three guys in the running back position come into that game. And essentially, even though it was 9-9 and for Naheem Hines and Jordan Wilkins, that's nine carries, almost ten carries for the, between the two of them. 17 for Jonathan Taylor, and if Marlon Mack was there, he would have gotten a lot of carries himself. So... That's a team that's using the running back position and trying to uh, fill it with guys that can do different things. And with the Bears, yeah, Dave Montgomery and Cordell Patterson are slightly different running backs, but are they extremely different? Of course, Patterson is much faster than Dave Montgomery, but we don't see that speed, that elusiveness just constantly being a factor. I mean, on given plays, yes, but... Clearly, Matt Nagy doesn't feel he can win the game with Dave Montgomery getting a lot of carries. 
So this offense just again we're back to kind of square square one where we don't know what we have it looks broken they only have a few days to kind of figure out some things but man uh, this season uh, even though they got off to a great start and this Bears team has definitely been hanging their hat on the fact that they went 3 and 0 through the first 3 weeks but reality is starting to come on in because Bears very realistically should be 2 and 2 and then you throw in the fact that DeAndre Swift dropped the touchdown in game one, they could very easily be one and three right now. So hopefully the Bears can find some answers from now until Thursday, and then ultimately Thursday night reveal those answers to all of us fans and the rest of the NFL. But Bears players better be focused on trying to improve because if they don't get better fast, this thing could get ugly.